Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for They are now called up for judgment by David. These people that David called up for judgment were the people that gave him a hard time a long time ago. And it says they were all hanged before the Lord, it says. Now, who knows the significance of the number seven? Seven is the number of completeness. It's completion. They hung seven. The Gibeonites wanted this atonement completely paid for. The Jesus parallel in this is that my Messiah Jesus completely paid for my sin. So here with these guys, seven guys had to die to completely atone. Now watch this. Guys, boy, this is this just gets good. This is where the charge is really going to go up a few volts, okay? Second Samuel 21 and 10. Here's that concubine, the mother of two of these guys that were hung. Now Rizpah, the daughter of Ai, took sackcloth and spread it for herself on the rock from the beginning of harvest until the late rains poured on them from heaven. And she did not allow the birds of the air to rest on them by day, nor the beasts of the field by night. I am absolutely astounded at this woman. Two of her sons are hanging with five other guys. Two of them are her sons. And what she does is she goes and throws a blanket down in front of them and sits there and watches her sons die up there to keep the birds off of them. And to keep the animals from pecking at them and what all. All the critters, she keeps them away. And she's watching her dead sons hang up there on this tree, right? What's going on here? She even refused to take them down. Typically as a mom, you would have said, no, get away. I'm taking my kids down and bury them. She didn't. She let them stay there. And I read this and said, Rizpah, what are you doing? I had to process this out. So let me see if I can give it to you. (laughs) Why did she do this? She didn't bury them. She kept the animals off. Apparently, Rizpah knew that this was God's vengeance for all the evil that Saul had done. She understood that. Now, how do I know this? How do I know that she got that? Because it says that she left the bodies up there until after the rains came back. Did you see that? The rains came back. She left the bodies of her own sons hang there until it rained. She knew that the curse could not get paid for until it was atoned. And she wanted that atonement to go through. So when the rains came back, she knew the curse is done. Wow, I'm amazed at Rizpah. She understood that the curse now rested on Saul's sons, even her own son. Guys, I want you to get another picture of this real quick. Here's another Jesus parallel for you. She said, that's my son and the curse rests on him. 
Can you see where God was in this? God said, that's my son, and the curse rests on him, okay? Rizpah knew that the curse rested on her sons, and so she did whatever she could to help make sure the atonement got paid for, keeping the animals off the bodies, keeping anything from interfering with this atonement being paid for. And when the rain returned, she knew the curse had ended, but she had to go through watching her own son die for it. Process that for a minute. Let that sink in. That is deep. 2 Samuel 21 and 11. And David was told what Rizpah, the daughter of Ai, the concubine of Saul, had done. Then David went and took the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, from the men of Jabesh-Gilead, who had stolen them from the street of Bethshan, where the Philistines had hung them up, after the Philistines had struck down Saul and Gilboa. So he brought up the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, from there, and they gathered the bones of those who had been hanged. They buried the bones of Saul and Jonathan, his son, in the country of Benjamin and Zelah, in the tomb of Kish, his father. So they performed all that the king commanded, and after that, God heeded the prayer for the land. Look at that. Now the curse is over. It's done. Now they're buried. They put it away. Now, when David heard about what Rizpah had done, she was protecting the bodies of her sons as they hung there. It reminded David of how Saul and Jonathan were hung up by the Philistines. Remember when Saul and Jonathan were killed in Gilboa? That was back in 1 Samuel 31. It reminded David of this. So David decided to have them buried. It got him thinking. See, David, after all this, David's under covenant. David starts to think, David is starting to think that he's okay to go play around, to go mess around with Bathsheba, to do whatever he wants to. to it's playtime. So David had, you can tell that David has gone through some really heavy learning. I, I can see a, uh, a journey that David had gone through. David had matured. Now remember I said David did not have the maturity, that David did not have the maturity to understand these things before, but now all of a sudden he does. Now he can get it. He's matured in his leadership because he's a long way from where he was back when he committed adultery. But what really strikes me is that the Lord still upheld his covenant. Now, I I try to think of myself in these stories all the time whenever I'm looking at these kind of things, is that David did not have the maturity. He was in covenant, but he did not have the maturity to understand it yet, but the Lord was patient with him for David to learn it. And that's something I want to say to new believers. You come into covenant with Jesus Christ and you don't understand all the details of it, that's okay. God is patient with you. He'll get you there. And so we can see how David has gone through all that. It's been a hard road but he's a much more responsible king now. David has learned how to become a covenant king. Amen? So this drought that was plaguing the whole nation, it required death for atonement. Death for atonement. And then God heeded the prayer for the land and the rains returned again. Now I know it sounds barbaric. The question comes up, why did David hand over seven guys for this atonement to be paid for? Because it sounds pretty rough. Even more, why did God approve of it? First off, it took seven guys to hang for it. And like I said a bit ago, seven is the number of completion. The covenant had to be completely and totally paid for the sin that Saul had committed. But why did they have to die for it? The reason they had to die for it is because many Gibeonites had died under Saul. A lot of Gibeonites died, so there's going to have to be some other guys die for it. Now, remember, the Gibeonites, they wanted no financial compensation. There was no money that could buy it. Okay, let me suggest if somebody came up and killed seven of your family members, there's no money that can cover that. 
They wanted everything done by the law. Hebrews 9 and 22 says, According to the law, almost all things are purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Remission means cancellation of debt. I actually asked a banker one time, what does forgiveness mean or remission? And they were just thinking financial terms. You know what they told me? They said, it means when you just wipe a debt out to zero. And I said, really? Why would you ever do such a thing? She goes, well, somebody usually has to die for that to happen. And I said, oh, really? I said, and you're a banker. You know, this was an unbeliever and they didn't understand this whole concept. And I was trying to get the gospel through. So I just started asking banking questions. I thought, you know, they play with numbers. We'll figure it out somewhere. And they said, somebody has to die for it. They wanted the debt canceled out by having Saul's line pay for it with their lives because Gibeonite lives were lost. You owe us for that. It has to be paid for. But why did somebody have to die? You're still wondering. And I ask people the question, why did Jesus have to die? And a lot of people, you'd be amazed they don't know. I ask people, why did Jesus come here? And they'll say anything but die for our sins. They'll say, oh, to teach us good things, to, to be, uh, show us how to serve, which he did do. But really the core reason why he came here was to die. That's why he came was to, to pay atonement. So according to the law, Hebrews 9 says that where there is a testament, there must also be the death of the testator, because a testament has no power while the testator lives. It's like when parents draft up a will for their children. You go and have this will drafted up. I'm going to give everything to this son and everything to this daughter here. Okay, the law states that this will is not activated until the testator dies. The person that writes the will has to die before that comes into effect. And so the law states that sins cannot be canceled unless there is the shedding of blood first. Somebody's got to die to enact all these things, to act, enact this cancellation, to move this currency, so to speak. Now, Jesus had said at the Last Supper in Matthew 26 and 28, he said, this is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Jesus himself said that. My blood will be spilled for the cancellation of your debt. Now, I can just imagine sitting there thinking, guys, guess what? Tomorrow, I'm going to die. They're going to spill my blood all over the place to cancel your debt. What? I mean, they understood sacrifice, but that would have been a shocker. But here's what, what I'm trying to do with this. If you're wondering, how could God be okay with these seven guys dying for the covenant that Saul broke? Well, then you've got to ask also, how was God okay with Jesus dying for the covenant that we broke? God was okay with Jesus dying for our covenant that we broke. So that's what the picture is with the seven guys dying for the covenant that Saul broke. In Jeremiah 31, 31, it says, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, out of the land of Egypt, my covenant, which they broke. Okay. So there's a broken covenant and God has to uphold it. A king upholds covenant. Now the breakdown summary of this chapter is that the entire land, as David saw the famine, the entire land was under a curse, the curse of a famine, and Israel once had a covenant with the, with the Gibeonites, but Saul blatantly and willfully broke this covenant. He says, I don't care, and he broke it. 
And so the law required that it be completely, by seven guys, completely atoned for with blood. And so the king appointed seven men to hang for it to cover all the damage that Saul had caused. And then after that, God's curse against Saul's sin was lifted from the land and then the blessing came. Okay, that was a summary of what we just read. Here's the parallel. This story serves as a picture for us to understand that we have all been under a curse. It's not a famine curse, but it's a curse of sin. And we once had a covenant with God, Israel did, but in sin, we blatantly broke that covenant. Just like Saul, I don't care. And we broke it because we did what we wanted to do. We broke the covenant. And so the law required that that covenant be completely atoned for, that that sin be completely atoned for with blood. And so our King Jesus, guess what? He didn't appoint seven other men to come hang for it. He appointed himself. That's where I'm finally trying to bring this all together. I know I've been kind of point, point, point like a pinball machine over here and over there. That's just the story. Jesus didn't appoint seven other guys to die. He appointed himself. Why? Because he is without sin. Jesus was the only one that could ever completely and totally atone for all the damage that you and I caused. We'd made a lot of mess. If you look at Saul and go, Saul, you moron, you just came in. I don't care. I'm just going to kill everything. Guess what? In our sin, we just marched in and said, hey, I'm going to do what I want to do. And we just wrecked the whole house. We blew it. We didn't just blow it. We deliberately blew it. Jesus is the only one that could pay it off. But then after Jesus died, God's cursed against our sin. Like the plague, like the famine was lifted off the land after Jesus died. God lifted the curse from us. And then the rains came. The blessing came. Then we were able to receive the Holy Spirit. Galatians 3 and 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Oh, aren't you glad us Gentiles are in that? See, I'm not a Jew, I'm a Gentile, and I'm glad I get to be included too. Because back in the day, the Jews said, nope, he's our Messiah. He belongs to us. Too bad. You're a Gentile. Too bad for you. And God says, no, I died for them too. (laughs) Amen. So uh, what you see here, Jesus died. The curse was removed and then the blessing came. Friends, the testator has died. Therefore, the will is now active so that you can inherit what Jesus has willed to you. He had to die for that to happen. And so now when you look back at 2 Samuel 21... If you keep the context only on David, what you'll see is that David had to learn what covenant is. That's why God dragged him through all this. You're going to find out. You go deal with that broken Gibeonite thing. Okay, Gibeonites, what you need? Uh, We need seven guys from Saul. Okay, wait a minute. I made a covenant with Jonathan. Uh, Okay, Mephibosheth, you stay. The judgment has come. David's like, man, I'm really starting to see what this covenant thing is. Because now he's right hip deep in the middle of it, having to move the parts, you see. He learned what covenant is. Earlier, we saw David, he got careless and he sinned. 
And David got dragged through the consequences, but now it was time for him to get his hands dirty for the Lord to teach David what covenant is. And he taught David by putting him into a situation that required David to enact the necessary work to uphold the covenant. He's the king. He's the only one that can do this. That's why God put it on him. Jesus Christ is our king, and he was the only one that could atone for our sins. That's why God put it on him to do it. Amen? Now let's suppose the Lord only intended for David to learn this only and not us. Then chapter 1 wouldn't need to be written. That's why it's written, so we can learn. And the reason that 21 is written, which means the Lord had all this play out, not just for David to learn what covenant is, but for us to learn what covenant is. Chapter 21 is here for you and I to understand covenant, what this is, how he keeps it. We read about these people who lost their protective covenant. The Gibeonites, they lost their protective covering because somebody broke it. They wanted back under covenant again so that they could be saved from destruction. So the Lord used this situation to teach covenant to King David, which is why he asked them, David asked the Gibeonites, with what shall I make atonement? He's asking them, what do you want me to do for you? And so the king used his authority to send someone to die to completely atone for a new covenant so that the people could have a guarantee of safety. He appointed someone to die for their safety. And the reason this story is recorded for us in 21, chapter 21, is so that we can see that after we blatantly broke God's covenant, then the king of all creation already knew what the atonement would require. And so by his authority, he sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to die to completely atone for a new covenant so that you and I could be guaranteed that we would be saved from destruction. I see a lot of gospel going on in chapter 21. Ephesians 1.13 says, In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, see there's the activator, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of maybe, what does that say? The Holy, you with the Holy Spirit of most likely? You're not sealed with the Holy Spirit of probably. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Promise. That means the king is going to hold it together even though we mess it up. David had to learn how to hold the covenant together even though somebody else messed it up. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance. People try to scare you by saying you can lose salvation. Those are people that don't understand covenant. You show them this is a promise. It is a guarantee. And I promise you, and I guarantee you, the first thing they'll say is, well, you just can't go off and sin all you want to. And they'll try to muddy up the waters again. Guys, what did David do? He went off and sinned all he wanted to. Did that stop the covenant? No, it did not. What did it do? It brought up a lot of consequences that was designed to make David grow up and mature. You can tell a lot of people that haven't grown up. 
and their understanding of covenant. These are the people that will fight with you. Do not let spiritual immaturity scare you into thinking that you will not be saved if you are truly under the covenant of God. You will be saved. Guaranteed, promised. And it ain't held by you. It's held by the Lord God. It's held by the King. This doesn't give you the right to go out and party away. But it will bring you into submission like it brought David. David's not partying. I don't see David having a good time in the last few chapters. He's learning the hard way, isn't he not? And so now a complete seven from the house of Saul had to die. The breaking of the covenant was not about an individual sin. It was about God's displeasure on the entire nation because this violation of covenant was on a national scale. That's why he had the drought cover the entire nation. God said, this, this goes over everybody here. So I know it probably made it uneasy for you that Rizpah watched her sons hang to pay for the nation's curse. But she understood why it had to happen. And so she supported her son's own hanging until the rains returned because she knew the curse couldn't lift off the entire nation until after atonement was made. I I give a lot of credit to Rizpah for being able to see this. It takes the guilty, it takes the death of the guilty in order to pay a broken covenant. Rizpah knew Saul's line held the responsibility. And so the condemnation had to fall on her own sons to pay for the new covenant that would save the nation. And I believe that God used Rizpah's story to show us the picture in Isaiah 53 and 10. It says, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, that's Jesus. He has put him to grief when you make his soul an offering for sin. Guys, it says it pleased the Lord to bruise Jesus. That doesn't make God this bloodthirsty barbarian. Oh, I just loved watching my son die. Rizpah did not like watching her son die. So how does it please the Lord to bruise Jesus? Because people will take this verse and make God into a monster with it. They need to understand the story we're in today. See, just like Rizpah, God watched his own son die too. And his pleasure with Jesus' death is not because he's crazy. Is because he knew the curse would not lift off of the entire world until after atonement was paid. That's what pleased him. God knew that we held the responsibility for our own sin. And so the condemnation then had to fall on Jesus who took the responsibility on himself to pay for what would save the world. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And that's why it pleased the Lord to bruise his son. That's why it pleased Rizpah in a sense, that why she backed it. She supported the hanging of her own sons because she knew the whole nation's going to die if they don't pay this off. And she left them there. She kept the animals off. It pleased her in the sense that Israel would be saved, though it broke her heart watching her own sons die. I think we can see God's position through Rizpah here. Hebrews 9, 15. And for this reason, he, Jesus, is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions to buy back the debt that was caused by sins under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the probably, no, the promise of the eternal inheritance. 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.